0: Hello and welcome to the Scripts and Scribes podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Fukunaga. Be sure to check out the Writers Guild Foundation annual television symposium Saturday, April 18th at the Writers Guild Theater in Beverly Hills, featuring over a dozen prominent writers and producers. Uh, Tickets are still on sale on their website, wgfoundation.org. And for more great interviews and resources on the craft and business of writing, be sure to check out our companion website, scriptsandstribes.com. But first, I'm pleased to have on a manager and producer who, in my humble opinion, is the epitome of everything a great manager should be. Incredibly smart, dedicated, hardworking, has great taste, strong convictions, follows his passions, is a straight shooter, and most impressively, is a genuinely good person. He co-founded Madhouse Entertainment in 2000, was named to Hollywood Reporter's Next Gen List in 2009, in 2012, they had the most writers represented of any management firm on both The Blacklist and Tracking Board's Hit List, and they currently rep a top slate of in-demand showrunners, screenwriters, and rising talent. I call him the Jerry Maguire of managers, Mr. Adam Kohlbrenner. Thanks for coming on, Adam.
1: Thank you. Let me just grab my goldfish, and we'll be on our way. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate the intro.
0: No, you know, I mean, I've mentioned to you before, I I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for you as a person, but also as a manager. Um, I've spoken to dozens and dozens of managers, both for the podcast and my time at CIA, and just in general, and I know you're the real deal. Um, Thanks, We spoke about it the other day. A lot of managers are really sort of agents slash producers and managers' clothing. They they scoop up whatever material they can and shotgun it out there hoping to land a producer credit if someone decides to make it. But you're different. And and that's, again, why I respect the heck out of you and what you do. Because you spent five years, I think, developing Prisoners with Aaron Guzikowski, with Justin Marks for six years helping develop him into a working screenwriter. And obviously, he's uh, since become an in-demand writer, which is great. But I know if you take a producer credit on a project, you earned it. It's You're not just a writer's rep from all accounts that I've heard. You're really a partner to your clients, which is really amazing and seemingly kind of rare. So, uh, yeah, that's... Just getting that out of the way, um, You're Awesome. That's, that's that's great to have you on. In our previous interview, you talked about uh, giving Aaron Guzikowski his start and sort of helping him develop prisoners. And to our listeners, if you haven't read that interview, you can find it on our website. It's really terrific. But this time, I wanted to chat with you about another of your clients with an equally inspiring success story that involves you, uh, and that's Justin Marks. For those of our listeners who don't know, Justin Marks is the screenwriter of the upcoming Jungle Book movie and has been part of various projects like Top Gun 2 and 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, and his experience became become a professional writer from an aspiring one, uh, which obviously you had a huge part in. Jason himself detailed on John August's side, but I'd like to get your point of view on what it was like starting a new writer's career like Justin's. Can you talk a little bit about how you discovered Justin, what made you want to work with him, and believe he specifically could be a professional screenwriter, and how you were able to help make that a reality?
1: Sure, I, you know, look, I, I think the where I start uh, with any with any incoming writer, so to speak, is uh, it, it, and it's something we can talk about as we as we. You know, as we chat today, which is, you have to start with a voice. You have to start with something tangible that's on the page, and I talk about it all the time. You know, the voice is just—it's just one of those, one of those things that you just can't describe. To me, it—it it is what I believe writers are sort of put on earth to, to do. You're either a writer or you're not. It's a—it's an artistic approach um, uh, to storytelling. And you know, with Justin, we started, and we've grown together. And I think the the relationship evolves. It evolves every day. It evolves every week, and on every project that that he's doing or any of my guys are are, are working on. You know, I, basically. We were connected because Justin had um, actually co-written a short film while he was in college, and I was sort of starting up you know my management business. and And I think for me, my my philosophy is do more. Don't expect anything from anybody else. And you know at the time, i I, I was doing more, um, mm-hmm. meaning reading more, finding more, drilling down to find the unfindable. Um I think I've set out in my career uh to be realistic, not to say, ah yes, I need to go represent um Sam Raimi um and uh and try to go sign Eric Roth or Steve Zalian. I think you have to be realistic and know your place in the world and your and know your place in, in the, the movie and television business. So uh, for me, Justin kinda of co wrote this short film which I found fascinating as a story. Uh, and reached out and we were connected. And I, you know, I, I, we sort of, he was still in college at the time and we were, we just started talking. He was still in college back east and, and, um, you know, he wrote the first couple of things that he had, he had written, which he had sent to me, were, were not necessarily movies, but that's sort of okay. Uh, you know, he proved on the page that there is more than, than just, can this person write a uh, a a film that I can go sell if I was in the sales business well i'd be selling stocks i'd be on wall street right i'm not i sell but i'm not a that's uh, not my primary business mm-hmm. My business is with with justin specifically it was okay, let's build. We build from the voice. And now you sort of build and you strategize and you build out a a, a real career. It wasn't Justin coming to me saying, I've written seven different genres and I need, you know, and I just need somebody who can help me narrow down which genre to focus on, which genre is going to make me a, a... um, an entity, a profitable business. Who's going to help? Which genre is going to sell in today's market? It's just not what it was, and that's not what it is today. And, and writers ask me that all the time. Well, what's selling right now in the market? You can't define that. And I think with Justin, we were simply bonded on his incredible characters and his ability to put those characters onto the page. Now we needed to evolve, and as uh, he needed to evolve as a storyteller. We needed to evolve into what... Where he was headed, and you, you, and Justin was. A, uh, he's an expert on 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 architecture, okay. And uh, uh, of all things, and he, um, he, we, we began to architect, frankly, what his career was going to be. What's the calling card? But where are we going? And you know, he, he, we figured out the calling card. We figured out the screenplay that defines the writer. And you can look at any writer who I represent, and they all have that one defining moment, you know, and, and we build off of that. And I think with Justin, it was after you get to, you get to know, you get to know the client very, very well and intimately. And, and, and remember things like, yes, he knows everything there is to know about architecture as an example. Okay. But mm-hmm. you have to know more. And part of the, of knowing more is knowing that Justin wanted to tell these stories that he grew up dreaming about right and that is movies like that he uh, got to work on immediately from the calling guard he wanted to work on he man he he wanted to work on the voltron if if your listeners remember voltron um if you you know he wanted to tell these sort of these these stories these sort of You know, in a way, he was a little bit ahead of the curve, too. This was several years ago before the Marvel Universe was created, as an example. Mm -hmm. And he was able to tell these sort of defining tales and flip them around into something that made sense to a contemporary audience and popcorn and Mm -hmm. and things like that, you know. That was the trajectory that we pulled. I I think what's most fascinating, again, not to make this a case study about Justin Marks, but what's most fascinating about, about Justin is something that no one really knows about yet, which is he has another... Script that is uh, going to get made very soon, um, which is kind of what we describe as his sort of John Lee Hancock um, uh, piece of material uh, for the listeners who know who John Lee Hancock is, Mm -hmm. you know, prolific writer and director, Blindside in particular, and you know this is this is a story. Uh, that was close to Justin's heart. He's from a family uh, of uh, members who, were, who have uh, served in, in the in the armed forces, and this is a Marine uh, story and a Marine story with his dog. And uh, this was a an idea that uh, doesn't really make sense, if you will, from the from the writer of, of Voltron and He Man and right. uh, and or maybe even Jungle Book. Mm-hmm. But when you understand what the story is and and really defined. Justin, as to sort of why him, I think that's always a question that that writers get lost on. Why are you telling this story? And and I think he he circled around that and said, yeah, I'm going to tell the story, and here's how I'm going to do it. And that's the next phase for who Justin will become. It's it's out of the sort of fanboys. He says he ruins he ruins the dreams that you everyone had in their in their 1980s early 90s childhood. So he'll ruin that for you. But I think this is a new sort of next phase that a writer has to go through. You have to discover, and I think it's vital for, for writers today. You can't just stick to, yeah, I wrote this one script and I'm not going to do anything else until this thing gets made because it's better than anything that Hollywood's putting out, blah, blah, blah. Well, nobody really cares about that. What people care about is what's next. Mm-hmm. And with, with Justin, he was the prototype of saying what's next? What is my next uh, piece of material. What is my, how, how else can I prove my worth as a storyteller in this incredibly difficult marketplace where, yeah, I can spend my days dreaming about writing a movie like Voltron, but you know, that was 10 years ago and Voltron's nowhere close to ever getting made. So you have to be realistic about, uh, the, the approach to the stories as well that you want to tell. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And speaking of what you had mentioned, why are you telling this story and talking about voice, which we hear all the time, everyone's looking for a writer who has a voice and is able to translate that onto the page. Um, And it's obviously somewhat subjective, but maybe you can delve into a little bit about what is voice? How can you define or quantify it for aspiring writers so they know if they're on the right track?
1: I wish I had that answer. Um, I, I, I can define it in a sort of multitude of ways. You know, uh, again, that is that intangible thing that's on the page. It is what is voice. It is characters that maybe you've seen before in film or television, but giving them something else to say. It's flipping them, so you've never really seen it coming in that direction. You know, it's using whether you use. I mean, let's just you know hit on Aaron Guskowski and prisoners. It's what what does a father do when faced with this ungodly situation? Mm -hmm. And I think any any father would. Some fathers would go one way, and some would go another. And I think it was on Aaron to say, "Well." Here's the way that my guy is going to go, and that's that's a th- those are story choices, but they're character choices, and that comes out on the page, and that proves that you have something unique to say. So, it, in a, in another way to look at that, and I can kind of, you know, just to dial it down a little bit, you know, how how many times can I read a script that it's a, you know, it's a it's a cop who is. By making it up, I could pitch you any movie that I'm not going to. But I could pitch you any movie about a police officer who, you know, is wrongly accused or he's set up or what? It's you. You're, you're, there are lines of dialogue. There's scenes. There's action. There's storytelling. There's plot. Things we've seen before. It's not unique. How do you tell a unique story well? And that's voice. That is characters who have something really unique to say. It's what defines, you know, I look at voice and, you know, I, again, I, I, you have to look at some of the master creators and the master storytellers that exist in our world. I mean, you know, from the Coen brothers to Quinn Tarantino to, to Wes Anderson, uh, you know, you can, you can you can go up and down and uh, to Aaron Sorkin. You can go to all these guys who, they all have a voice. They have, their characters are saying things differently. And I think that is a, uh, a, a what we're all looking for is unique storytelling.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, you're known for taking your time working with your clients to develop material and being very discriminating on what you send out. Can you talk about your philosophy behind that?
1: Yes. My um, philosophy is I, I, I don't throw shit against the wall, see what sticks. So uh, the, the, the way I define that is you're, you don't get two reads from executives. You don't get the opportunity in this world that we live in to – have the same executive or producer or agent or manager necessarily read the same thing twice. You don't get to send the script and then when it doesn't, you know, they pass on it. Oh, your writing was good, but, you know, didn't love the story. You don't get to a year later, send that script again. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't happen. People remember, they have notes, they have emails, they're able to track what they've read before. So you define, I define that by you get one shot, you know, truthfully, you get one opportunity, uh, in, in, in our business to make an impact. So make it great. We have to remember my, uh, I go back to why. And I think for me, the why is what I look at every week, which is whether it's my weekend read, right? Which is, you know, it could be a stack of 20 to 30 different scripts. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I think, all right, my peers who are studio executives or or producers or or executives of production companies or agencies or whatever it is, you know what, they have a pile too. So when a script comes out from me, it better be great because they're spending time just the same. I don't like to come out of movies and think, well, there's two hours, I'll never get back. So why would I want somebody to spend two hours reading a piece of material, by the way, that has my name on the front, and be upset that they'll never get those two hours back. So I force the issue. I force writers to work and rework. And you know, as they as they say, writing is rewriting, okay? So you have to be able to rework and, and rethink your story over and over and over again. Because frankly, you know, it's going to take years for this to ever see the light of day anyway, in terms of getting made. So you might as well make it the best possible version of it now. And the, if you're able to do that, you'll you'll win. If you're able to work the material, make yours better, you'll win. Now, you've got to remember, going back to the earlier question, you also have to be able to turn the page. You've got to move on to the next thing. So you have to be able to do both.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: As a manager, you're often the first to partner with uh, a writer, your client, and jumpstart their careers. I wanted to ask you when is a writer ready to begin working with an agent? When do you look to find them an agent? Is it when they have one piece of material that's ready for the marketplace? Is there some other criteria that you you use?
1: As soon as we have that initial first impactful piece of material, yes. Then uh, that's the sort of big launching off point. But I think it's important to be able to tell them, tell whether it's the agents or otherwise, that there's something else behind that. Uh, You have to be able to come to the party with party favors you have to show up and you have to bring more it just by saying this is it this is your only script and get this thing you know people don't come to me and say hey will you you know can you here's my screenplay can you get it made or hey here's my screenplay can you put it on on the blacklist no that's just not how it works if it's here's my screenplay here are the other ideas and stories that i want to tell here are the other the five other scripts that i want to finish working with you on or here's three other ideas or here are things I want. You have to be able to want to, what agents want is and why you want an agent. You want someone who knows what they're hustling for and what, and towards you have to give them a job to do. If you don't, then that's always the question that I get. Well, how come an agent doesn't call me back? Uh, well, what have you written for that agent recently? If the answer is nothing, then they shouldn't call you back simple math. If they have no reason to call you, they won't. So that's how we uh, we, we have to build up a, a, a an ammunition depot, if you will, to uh, in order to get out there.
0: Now, under what circumstances should a writer client look for a new agent? Uh, assuming a client is signed with an agent, when would you recommend they move on from that rep and find a new one? And how would that transition happen? Or, for example, if a client approaches you and says they want to change agents, how would you handle a situation like that?
1: Uh, it's one of my least favorite activities, which is uh, clients changing agencies. I like to think that when we make the choice, we're making that choice for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I have no agenda ever of, of trying, of getting them to, to make, to make a change. That being said, you know, part of the agent client relationship is, as I was just saying is in the workload that the client is generating. And if the client is generating that work, if the client is doing his or her part in terms of new material and booking jobs and hustling just as much because frankly we all you know the clients need to hustle too. Mm-hmm. if the clients are doing that job, well, then there is a flaw and and they in, the, in that relationship with the agent and we if that if if there is a flaw it 's going to come down to one issue which is is that client, um, I'm sorry, is that agent perspective on that client changed? Is, are they not passionate, as they once were? Do they not have time? And something I deal with every day. If the agent or agency is not passionate about representing a client for one reason or another, they didn't like the last script or the client hasn't made them any money in the past couple of years, something like that, I, you know, yeah, then, then it's a, it, it sort of, it, it always should feel like it's a mutual parting of ways. It rarely does it, does, do, you ever, do I ever get in the position where an agent is doing their job, doing it really well, and then, whoops, the client's just going to go and fire you. It's a very rare circumstance. Um, and, um, and, and like I said, it is one of my least favorite activities, so I try to make it a relationship that people are going to, I match them by personality, I match them by work ethic, I match them by taste and genre, uh, and I match them for ultimately what will be a long time.
0: Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Now, we're starting this section off a little early because we have so many, but uh, listener questions. We do get listener questions, and uh, I have a number for you. So let's start off with, here's one that says, if a writer receives a consider on Tracking B, or let's just say any sort of you know, major tracking service, maybe the blacklist or something, is that something that you think is worthwhile? Or should they wait until they get a recommend and not mention the consider at all?
1: Well, I, I look I, any a lot of the whether it's a Trekking Bee or, or or blacklist or any or, or any of the great script contests from Austin Film Festival and Nichols, I mean, you know, a lot of these guys are are so proficient and and inefficient of of narrowing down what's good, um, and I think that is that's vital for for people like me who, who we do get inundated by. Uh, requests and queries and and things like that so it's nice to have other people who are, who are reading at the end of the day if i get a, a recommend or if i get a consider from you know from one of the sites or sure I, I, does it matter yeah it, of course it matters i mean that's positivity i my my opinion uh, on on that is if your material is great it is going to find its way it's just what it is whether it's one person reading, a producer reading it, and sending it to their friends, or a friend of a friend, and you know, I, you know, there are a lot of different ways that you can you can ultimately skin it. But you know, the good material finds its way, and and if it's meant to be off of one of those sites, then so then that's the way it'll work. I've I've signed plenty of writers, whether it's out of the Austin Film Festival, out of Nichols, uh, writers off of the Blacklist, writers out of Tracking B, you name it, I've done it. I've done it all. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, it's, I, I actually don't mind the ones that that are, whether it's unsolicited or, or otherwise, or, or that come in from, uh, one sort of, you know, executive friend, mutual friend. Oh, I read this. I, I don't know if it's your thing, but you should check it out. And people seem to like, yeah, great, that's fine. You know, for us, for our company, we read everything. So, you know, there you go. Mm-hmm.
0: Here's another one. At what velocity should writers be writing assignments and specs? When do you expect a draft by? I mean, I guess if you were to delve into that question, how often should you be getting new material from your clients?
1: Uh, you have to generate at a at a very brisk pace to to really stay relevant in in this business. Um, so that means, you know, and I would define that. As uh, many many pages, um, and that is over the course of whether that's over the course of the year or over the month. But for me, you have to for, personally. I, I'm in tune with what my clients are doing all the time. I want to know. I want to know what they're writing, where they are in those scripts, things like that. And you know, it's important that I stay in. Have this sort of direct relationship in in, in that regard. You know, that, that being said, you're you want to be writing quality. Um, but you have to move quickly and you have to move on to the next story if the story doesn 't work if it 's not working for you and there must be a reason for it keep moving you don 't have to sit and, and six months later have you know one script to show or one year later or you know anything like that the The way that people will say, oh, I want to have a career like you know um, making it up i want to have a career like uh, Alex Kurtzman you know or David Kapp well here's the thing. Here's a here's the secret about those guys. They work really, really hard. <laughs> so you should work just as hard, if not harder. And you'll be able to put out more pages and more scripts and get more reads and more people will pass it along and slowly but surely you'll get there. But just sitting back and generating, you know, a page uh you know, a page a week or two pages a week, it's just not gonna get you anywhere.
0: Right. Do you have Again, I know it's it's probably on an individual basis, but in, and there's lots of different variables that go into it, but is for example two one or two specs a year enough at like one or two TV pilots? Is that about what you're looking for? I mean,
1: on average. Yeah, that's that yeah, that's a good average. Again, it's in terms of it depend again, it, as you said, it is an individual track because if you have clients that are that are working for the studios it's going to be harder for them to step back and and write a brand new spec script Mm uh... with no attachments things like that same thing for for television if you're a writer on staff of a tv show it's certainly going to be difficult to work on a on a on a new spec pilot or or write a, a feature spec while you're fully employed on somebody else's dime so you have to be mindful of those scheduling issues that said if it's a new writer who's just starting out Yeah. I mean, you know, you need to be in the space where you are putting out a brand new piece of material that's fully vetted that, you know, every, what, three, four, five, six months, your name has to get out there in order to have a global impact. So the more you can generate, the more ideas we can go through, the better.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. What do you think of prospective clients who may have directing ambitions this is another question does it factor into your decision since it's a lot harder to break in a director than a writer who's 100 percent just writing a writer just writing might bring in more revenue versus an aspiring director who might take years to get a directing gig off the
1: ground yeah it's it's definitely something that uh it's a different business plan than uh than screenwriting wanting to be a director Obviously, you know we live in a world where directors uh, are, are necessary, uh, but there are a lot of moving parts to the movie business. Uh, I, I my advice is always going to be find the material that you're going to be a director that you'll that you're you know you're the only director that exists for this piece of material and why mm-hmm. um, you know passion at the end of the day is going to win. In terms of being a filmmaker, you have to be passionate. Ah, you wrote this. You're going to direct it. Great. Well, how are you going to do that? And frankly, as a director, what you need more than anything is you need a great producer who's going to back you, and that will that'll move it along certainly a, a, a lot smoother. For me personally, though, I am much more into the writer-creator business. It's just a, it's just a different way to, uh, to go.
0: Mm-hmm. Here's the next one. What are the realities that a writer faces once they are signed to not only get their career off the ground, but to sustain a career? Do you have any advice on do's and don'ts?
1: And for new, for new aspiring writers? Yeah. Newer aspiring writers. Once they get signed. Yeah. Once they get signed. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I mean, again, I I think it's pay attention to the marketplace, but don't write towards the marketplace. Don't say, well, Superheroes are 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 um, the, the the thing right now. I'm going to write my own superhero movie. Don't do that. <laughs> you know, I, 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 there for me, it's it's going to be find your lane as a whether it's a genre that you're that you that you have you're starting to master and master it. So that's the, and that takes time. And, and with any of the writers who I work with, it is a it is most definitely that. Process and growth that takes years. It really does. It takes a very long time for you to really master a certain, you know, specific type of film. So I would say keep working within that framework. And and again, writers that say that all the time. Well, I don't want to be pigeonholed. Um, why not? <laughs> if you could be pigeonholed and and be working in a genre and be hired, and well, then look at Justin Marks. You know, he was writing these tentpole um, action movies of, you know, aliens invading Earth and us defending Earth. And he decided, yeah, I think I'm just going to go ahead. I'm going to write my version of um, The Blind Side. Mm-hmm. You, you could always write your way out of a, out of a pigeonhole, if that's where, where you're feeling. But you have to, um, again, you have to be able to, to, to constantly be writing and constantly be generating.
0: Right. And I think that's something that uh, a lot of newer writers don't really understand. They think that a wide breadth of samples, a drama and a romantic comedy and an action is actually a strength when in actuality, for the most part, it's a weakness because... When you go in for meetings, generals and otherwise, they want to be able to categorize you as an action thriller guy or a comedy person or whatever. And if they can't really do that, you're sort of the jack of all trades, master of none. It makes it life more difficult for you, I think.
1: Yes, it does. I, I think that ultimately, you know, you, you want to find, again, it's about finding voice and it's about defining that voice and, and working on that voice and, and, and working in that particular arena. Writers who come in and say, "Well, I've a romantic comedy, um, but I've but I'm mainly I'm mainly been writing these small thrillers. But I wrote a really cool romantic comedy, or it's a dark comedy. It's just it doesn't it doesn't make sense. It's hard to employ somebody like that when you're you don't know how to sell them, and that's for me what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to sell you to a marketplace that's very particular, and and they are there are certain people who. Or uh, Whether executives or producers or whatever, there are certainly people who work in one particular arena. What's good for a comedy producer does not necessarily mean that that producer is going to be the right person to send your thriller to just because you've worked with them before.
0: Right. And there are those writers who can write multiple genres and do it extremely well. But when you're starting out, uh, especially uh, the assumption probably is that if you have a bunch of genres in your arsenal, uh, you've written scripts of many different genres that you don't really know your own voice. You don't know what your specialty is. You don't know what you're good at. And that's a negative.
2: But anyway,
1: that's right. And and then these and then writers who say, well, I just need someone to tell me. Well, yeah.
2: no, I don't.
1: I don't. I'm not in your brain. I'm not. I don't know what movies you want to be writing for the next ten years. Right. It's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a, It really is. It, it's just to say, yes, I. If you've written, a, a, like I said, you're in five different genres, and you're going to have your representative pick for you. Yep, you should only write comedy. More than what? Then you're going to spend how many years just writing comedy because somebody told you to do that? No, write right. what you believe, write what you're passionate about, write what you write the movies you want to go see.
0: Right now, here's the next one. Uh, do you recall a query that knocked your socks off? And if so, what made it outstanding and what made you want to
1: read it? I don't. I don't necessarily think that there was ever. There's ever been a, a query letter that. Um, I've looked at and said, "Oh, that sounds, that sounds amazing. And I can't wait and send it right away. I think it's, you you always have your guard up to a certain extent when you're, uh, when you're a representative, you, you just do, you, you're, you you do not know, um, if you're going to land on something that's just completely brilliant or, or sort of a waste of everybody's time. Um, I, I, and, and people ask that, well, what, what's the best approach, you know, in terms of query letters and, and what do you say and, and things like that. I, I mean, honestly, I, you know, I, as I, uh, we sit here and, you know, and, and we're talking and, you know, I could probably look at my emails and I probably had three or four or six different random query letters emailed to me just in, in, in the 30 minutes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, that's, that's how many of these come in. So uh, it, while well, I appreciate that everybody's a screenwriter. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, you have to understand. So, what does that mean? How about getting my name right? How about this morning somebody emailed and and said, "Dear, dear Doug," or something. I don't even remember what it was. It's like my name's not Doug, dude. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and then it's like it says, "Dear sir, I really love what your clients do." Wow. Really. You know, it's to have, and and it goes back to what's on the page to a certain extent. If you're careless with the emails that you're sending out, and believe me, these emails get sent to studio executives and producers. It doesn't make any sense to do that. They don't. They can't legally look at these emails. Mm-hmm. Okay, when you're sending out a script that, and you're the person who's now gotten the wrong name of the person you've emailed. Because you don't care enough to, to look to see who you're even contacting or what company um, or doing any research at all, then what's your script going to look like? Are you going to have typos on, on every page? Because I can tell you right now, I, there's nothing that drives me more insane than, than writers who can't spell. Right. Right? Like, I mean, God, I just spell check. So easy. Mm-hmm. Do it there's got to be a simple control function that, <laughs> that can can search and tell you how to spell check. I mean, for God, you know, like give it, give it to a friend. You know, what I would say is print out your scripts, print them out and, and read them and read them carefully mm-hmm. and, and, and make sure you spell and use proper grammar and things like that. Otherwise it's just, if you're careless, we don't believe that you're in it for for real.
0: Right. Absolutely. And the sad thing is, is I, I know what you're talking about because I receive queries. and I'm not, I'm not a rep. I'm not an exec. I have nothing to do with development at all. And I get them. I probably get a half dozen a week just of people. Yeah. And most of them are atrocious. They can't spell. They're, some of them don't use capital letters. I mean, it's ridiculous.
1: yeah Oh, believe it. And, and by the way, some of them you can tell when it's like it, it, when the, the, the font is all in black, except my name is changed <laughs> in some blue. Right, like really? So you're just basically sending this out to everybody. You're just changing now. You're changing the name. Oh, I guess in that circumstance, I'm happy you spelled my name right. Right, at,
2: know, least. I, right. It's a, at least. So
1: at least you got that.
2: Yeah. I don't
1: know. It's it's pay attention. There, is, Hollywood is not that big of a place. You don't need to just shotgun stuff out. Uh, and and uh, you know there there are even some writers who who send. You know the same email on a daily basis, almost at the same time. Hmm. you know it's like come on i literally we have hundreds of emails to get through every day you're just you're clogging it up. You just figure out what each company does in terms of uh, in terms of looking at material. Somebody will look at it at some point, you know or whatever the case may be. everybody's different, but go through the process.
0: Um, this is something that we've asked before that you just sort of came up just in my head as we're talking. Is there a best time or day to query or to avoid querying?
1: Uh, honestly, yeah. I mean, business hours is probably the the best idea. Mm-hmm. When you send something and it's you know and it's midnight in there or it's four a.m., it's just no one looks. It just doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. You delete it regardless. At least if you, if it's during the daylight hours, you know, you're, you're of an opportunity where someone may say, oh, all right, that's interesting and send it to somebody to, to request the script. So again, yes, you, you do, uh, in fact, need to try to do it during, uh, business hours. Mm-hmm.
0: Intangibles. What sort of non-writing skills or personality traits do you look for in prospective clients?
1: Um, intangibles, passion, you know, being prolific, I think is a key, you know, you have to be ready to do a lot, and I think that's important. And 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 a good personality, somebody who you can, you know, you can get along with. For me, I, the development work is very, very, uh, it's very intensive, and you want to be in the room with this person for a long time, and, and not somebody who is, you know, who 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 can't work well with others you have as a screenwriter, you, you're in a business of collaboration, you have to be able to work well with others. And I think for me, an intangible is I can always tell when I meet writers who's in it for real, or who's doing it because it's a hobby, or who's doing it as a means to another end. Mm-hmm. I can tell them when I meet them at whether it's conferences or whatever, I, I, I know who's doing it for real. Any
0: tips on uh, what gives them any tells? You know, what are their tells for specifically, for example, somebody who may be in it just for the money or maybe in it for ulterior motives?
1: um i'm a human lie detector um (laughs) no 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 no. um yeah look i i i I don't know if they i think it's i think it's they're they're trying just a little bit too hard to sell all their wares Mm -hmm. they're trying to sell everything that they can do it all oh i'm uh You know, I've directed this movie, and I have a short film that's going to production, and I'm writing this movie, and I just pitched this TV idea to this guy, and uh, I've gotten coverage back on my other short film that was done six years ago. It's like, slow down. Just what's your best script? Are you a writer? Focus on that. Why is that you? Why are you passionate about that story? Why are you telling that story? Why are you the only person telling that story? So on, so on, so on, because that's going to be the one that's going to define you. I am not, going, nor is anyone else going to sit and, and, you know, sift through five different projects. It just doesn't make any, any real sense. We're in this business to find great artists, um, not people who are just looking to, you know, what I don't know what throw Schlock out there. I right. mean that's that's what it is. you're trying to find that one thing that's going to define you, and and you have to work that one as hard as you possibly can.
0: Right. And not to say that you can't have a lot of material in your arsenal, but I think that's another misconception. True. That correct. It's really one piece of great material is worth so much more and you can get so much more work out of one piece of a really amazing material than a dozen pieces of pretty good material. I mean, mm-hmm. that, you know, one diamond is worth a hundred times more than a bunch of, you know, semi-precious stones, so to speak. Um, exactly. Again, exactly. they need to be prolific and have other things, but to, to you, all you care about is that one thing. And then you'll ask for more, you will go from there. And once
1: it's, yeah, when we design, listen, you your design, it's, Building a house. I mean, you know, you have to design that your your house is is you your your entry point. Hollywood is is the city that you're moving into. Here's the house that you're going to build in Hollywood. You have to start with a foundation. You have to lay that foundation down with that one original piece of material. Yeah. And and frankly, you can look at anybody who I represent, and they all started with that one thing. You know, it was never. It's never. Somebody who's come in and said, here are the 12 projects I have. Who am I?
2: Right. You know,
1: who am I as a writer? Who should I be? You tell me you're you know you're a representative. Tell me who I should be. It's just not. It just doesn't work that that way.
2: Right.
1: I'll, I'll find the the most difficult. Doesn't matter to me. The most difficult story. The easiest story. The the biggest idea. The smallest idea. Independent film. 150 million dollar film. Doesn't matter. What matters is what's the voice and who is this person when I when I when I do get to meet them. And that's the most exciting thing to me. Again, what do I care about in the end? Is that first phone call when I'm able to call them and tell them that they're finally going to get into the Writers Guild. I mean, that's it. People ask me what what gets me excited about going to work every day. It's that. It's it's writers who book their first job because, you know what, they've crossed the threshold. They're professionals now, and now we figure out what the career is.
0: That's great. Um, Now, this is the last one, and it's one we've asked before, but I think you, and specifically because you read so much, it's a great question for you, I think, so I'd love to ask, get your take on it. What are lit managers up against? How many queries do they field in a day? How many scripts and or coverage reports do you read in a week? Basically, the overall question is, how much ore do you have to shift through to find one nugget, that one good writer?
1: A lot. You know, you have to remember, while queries are one aspect of, of how we find material, it, it is also a business of, of relationships in that in that regard. And, and so while... You know I look at what the Blacklist is putting out or Austin Film Festival or Nichols or any of the, or, or any of the screenplay competitions that are out there. Yes, I am looking at that stuff, and I'm always looking for those recommendations and whether it's people that are reaching out on Twitter or emailing or contacting our website or and you have to remember there are also whether it's executives or agents or lawyers or friends or family members or yeah. you know the 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 parking lot attendant or the bartender at the bar that we were at. Everybody knows somebody, and and there are always recommendations. So, how many in the course of a week, in the course of a year, does does Madhouse or our company or me in particular? It's a lot. It's just a lot. That's all I can. That's all I can say. <laughs> it, it is, um, you know. But the reality is, look, my feeling, if someone's a real writer and they write a 100-page document, if I have the time to sit down and and, and read their 100-page document and give them some thoughts and some feedback you know it's the least i can do mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy to do that
0: and if anyone has seen those photos of you that are or around uh, sitting in front of that, basically the the great wall of China of scripts in the background, yeah. you know, you realize how much material you actually go through. I mean, it's insane. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, well, you, by the way, I don't have to, I don't, I don't have to uh, theorize about my, my Malcolm Gladwell, 10,000 hours of, <laughs> of, of, of reading screen screenplays. You can come here and count them. Right. right. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Well, by the way, I, I also, uh, I'm no friend of the environment. I mean, I print all my scripts, but the good news is that I, I, I print them, and I, I turn them into art, which are uh, giant stacks. Um, you build furniture yeah, out of you, them. <laughs> yeah, I, I would use these things. I don't just throw them away. Um, they rec- they're they recycled for, for an art program. Uh, you know, I, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You, you think about that. And all the people that, that, whether you're an aspiring writer or not, when you're out trying to hustle and you're sending your material out and you all just remember, the person you're sending your email to, or you're sending your screenplay to, has anywhere from 10 to 30 other scripts that are in line in their queue. Um, you know, some people have that queue on their iPad. I have it in a stack in my bag, um, strapped to my back. You know, people are or have stacks to read. You have to be mindful of that. It goes back to what I was saying earlier, which is your material has to be great. You have to make it great because there are some heavy bags that are being carried around and yours better make it, you better make it count. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, again, you say
0: 10 to 30, that's on any given week at any moment in time. That's not, Oh, I have 10 to 30 to read until, you know, I don't know, whenever I feel like it. No, that's 10 to 30 at any given moment in time,
1: which is, again,
0: that's what people don't really understand that the volume of material that you have to go through. Um, so,
1: believe me, this is this is not material that like I don't get thirty scripts that come in and like oh I just I, I take your time and and get back to me whenever you're ready and that's three months later. I mean this is like thirty a week right. that you, I have to get through and if I don't well maybe I miss something don't I I mean if I don't respond to uh, if a, if an agent calls me and says you should look at this or if a producer or a friend or whomever calls and says, you should look at this. Well, I better read it. Otherwise, maybe by next Tuesday, somebody else would, would have made that discovery. So you have to move You have to move quickly.
2: Right.
0: And that's another reason to be sort of patient and understanding with you guys in terms of queries uh, and uh, follow-up emails and this and and that. Obviously, they're still asking you a favor to look at their stuff. So that's the primary reason they should be a civil human being. Other than just being a good human being, I suppose. But also to know that you've got those 10 to 30 scripts and a good majority of those are... project that you're working on your client scripts scripts that were submitted by studios and agencies and you know things that have higher priority than you know someone who sent you an email hey would you look at my script so
1: that's right but again most places are are built to to handle um queries and Mm -hmm. to and to work through them and to find what's what's great so everybody has a a there we we live in a, in a world now where here is, you know, here's our website and you can go to our website, man, and you can send an email and that email is, is then vetted by our, our staff and we look at it and we talk about it and somebody reads it and one person reads and then gives it to somebody else is what we do every week.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Again, like I said, the great material finds a way, yeah. doesn't it? So, you know, if you're able to, you know, you get it through that front door, then if if the response, if it's meant to be, if you're meant to be working with a specific producer or working with a manager or an agent, you know, it'll happen. They'll call you. Don't worry. You don't, you don't have to keep calling them.
0: Right. And that's also the thing is, you know, if you send a piece of material and you don't get a call back, then calling them isn't going to make it better. And even if it does, you don't want someone representing you and your material who's not, doesn't want to pick up the phone to call you to represent you. You That's want someone right. who's passionate about you and your material, not that you have to convince to represent you.
1: That's right. There's no that, that, otherwise. What What are you doing? You can't right. just. You're not going to force anybody to, do, to to do that, right. uh, At all. You yeah. can't do it. Um,
0: and lastly, do you have any advice for aspiring screenwriters, or is there anything else you'd like to share?
1: You know what? I, what I always talk about, whether it's a client or or not, is yeah, it comes down to one thing: how hard are you working? You know how much more material are you putting out on an annual basis if you if the answer to that is harder and more then great you're in business you know you that's that's why where, where I would come out on it see movies and read movies and, and read scripts and pay attention to the marketplace and things that people are buying and be you know follow the whether it's other writers on you know on twitter there's some incredible right, screen screenwriters on there that um uh, and, and sites like you guys you know that you're able to sort of track the business and, and see how other writers do it and pay attention to what they're saying they're not just saying it for no reason they're they're giving great advice
2: Mm -hmm.
1: um you know and 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 from there you can you can you can definitely learn what what to do what not to do it's it's a it's easier than it's ever been to access again you just have to have the material
2: right
0: absolutely Thanks for coming on the show, Adam. It's always a pleasure.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for
0: having me. Yeah, and be sure to follow Adam on Twitter. It's at madhouse underscore ent, as in entertainment. So it's at madhouse underscore ent. And if you have questions about the craft or business of writing, you can send us an email to ask at scriptsinscribes.com or send us a tweet to at scriptscribes. There's no and in the middle there, just at scriptscribes. Thanks for listening.